or, or people who are, we will surrender our lives to other than our children, but children stand out, family stands out, our mates and family stand out at the top of the list, and we have something about us that, that draws us to children. For what would we hold in reserve when it comes to the welfare, to the safekeeping of our families, especially our children? So I want to remind you, I want to remind you that what we believe is what we do. There are a lot of people who will say things, but won't necessarily follow through from a spiritual vein, political vein, or any others. This kind of year where you've got a lot of election things going on, you hear a lot of things. What do people really believe? What do they really stand for? What will they really do? And I think we, we wonder about that. And I think we're in the midst of a, a time in which people are ready to talk, but I wonder how many people are really ready to act. I don't know. It's a good question. A number of years ago, the old 12th and Drexel Church building burned down. September the 2nd, 1991. I was preaching there at the time. And once the building was burned, we had to figure out what we were going to do. We were not a large congregation by any means. And we had to figure out what we were going to do. There were some options open to us that we could. And after some consideration, after figuring out some things, it was decided among the members that we would rebuild. We would build a new building on the old location, expanding it just a little bit and having a place there. Once we made that decision and once the remains of the old building were removed, there was a sign placed on the property as we prepared to build. And the sign said, you know, that we were coming. We were going to build a new building. And on that, it conveyed the um, telephone number of the office. Once the sign was there, we began to get telephone calls consistently, one call after another, neighbors in the neighborhood, oh, it's wonderful, Thank you. I'm so glad you're building the building back there, we need you so badly there, and so forth and so on. And then there were those members, that it, people that had been members there in years past, and it had been one of those old congregations that had been around a long time, and there were members scattered throughout the metro area of Oklahoma City, and people began to call, oh, I'm so glad, I have such great memories there, and I, I want so much for that place to be there, and and, and I know people are needed there, and blah, 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 and I, I just want to come back, and, and so forth. All right, wonderful, wonderful. And there were pledges of people, I, if that building's rebuilt, I want to be there, I want to have my membership there. And so finally we got it built, and we had a wonderful day of opening. Wonderful day. The, the auditorium was filled, and we began to wonder, did we build too small a building? Was the auditorium too small? Filled with people on that first Sunday morning, and people were there. And it was an exciting time and all of that. But still, as much as they liked the idea and praised the effort, there were very, 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 very few who came and made a commitment to be a part of it. I guess the old adage, talk is cheap, is pretty accurate sometimes. I'm not criticizing the people, but don't say it if you don't mean it. That's what I'm saying. It's easy to say the words, but living it is a different thing. And I think there were a lot of people, just using that kind of as a background, there are a lot of people who are attached to the idea of spiritual concepts, the concepts of the church or, or any religious group for that matter. But many of these don't truly commit themselves to it. Yes, there are a number of very sincere knowledgeable people in just about any religious concept. I paused for a moment because I was going to throw in another word, but I backed 
just lost my mind. I think there are a large number of people who only answer to what they believe falls into one of two categories. For many, it is that they have always believed it, and that's just why they espouse that idea. For others, it is simple or willful ignorance, or just thinking everything will be fine. So I can say whatever I want to say, and it really doesn't matter. Maybe that's a token of our times. I don't mean to sound critical, especially critical or or harsh, because I think we live in a time and, and in a country that allows for great diversity. Maybe not diversity in the way it is sometimes politically used, but I believe there, are, there is a diversity of ideas and voices that are out there. And with such, such diversity, there's often great talk and debate and discussion. And I think that's one of those prized characteristics of our society and even of our time. And I'm glad we have it. There's nothing wrong with open discussion and honest ideas being expressed. And while I am sometimes amazed and baffled at the concepts that that are being put out there, I still think that being knowledgeable and standing for what is believed is truly honorable. But that brings us back. All of that brings us back, I think, to the question from which I started. What is it that you really believe? As that man came to Jesus, there were some challenges there about belief. Challenges for the disciples of Jesus, challenges for the man who'd brought his son. It was a difficult situation. And then Jesus' words about possibilities. So the man came to Jesus. Once Jesus returned to the scene, the man came to Jesus. And the man said to Jesus, if you can, if you can, help us. It was a father's cry, a natural father's cry. We understand it. This father was crying for help. He wanted something. You can try to imagine what it would have been like to live with that situation. And there are people I know today who deal with such situations in their families, and, and it's a daily routine, and it's a great struggle for them day in and day out. And here is this father's cry. He said, is there something that can help us? He comes to the disciples of Jesus, and when he comes to Jesus, He says, if you can, will you help us? We can imagine the worry and the efforts this father has undergone, and especially when his son is being tortured, especially when he's in convulsions. He's wondering, what can I do? And maybe he had heard. Maybe friends had told him. Maybe he'd even seen the actions of Jesus or some of the disciples. Maybe he had been right there when some of those things had happened. I don't know. But you can imagine, maybe a good neighbor, a good friend, a relative said, you need to take your son to some of those disciples of Jesus. I've seen them. They're able to cast out evil spirits. They're able to take care of diseases and illness in this case. So the man takes it on himself, and he goes to those disciples of Jesus, not finding Jesus immediately with him, goes to those disciples of Jesus, and they're unable to do what he wants done. And when he finally comes in contact with Jesus, notice what he says. Your disciples couldn't do it. Your disciples couldn't take care of this. The man had to think that every road was leading to failure and disappointment. 
Think about that woman who came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She'd been to doctor after doctor, spent all the livelihood that she had going to this doctor and that, trying to take care of the problem that she had until she finally came to Jesus. And did you ever wonder, and some of you would be more aware of this than others, how many times, how many times have doctors Have doctors had to tell patients, that's all we can do. I don't know anything else. I don't see anything else. There's nothing at all that can be done. This father wanted to know. He wanted to know, is there anything that Jesus can do? If you can, help us. And I can't read the mind of the man. But I kind of wonder, do we, do we tend to make up our minds? Do we tend to make up our minds about what the Lord will do before we even come in contact with him, before we even seek him? I wonder sometimes, do we already get our criteria in mind? Here's exactly what I want the Lord to do. And we go to the Lord and say, Lord, here's exactly what I want you to do. We may be a little bit like children growing up in a home before very long. Children know what requests they can go to the parents and have expectations of it being fulfilled or not being fulfilled or which parent does what and everything. And in our household, I always thought I was the tough. I am tough. Until one day the youngest in the family said, oh, no, Dad, you're the easy one. Children learn very quickly who and what to ask about things and what they can expect of those things. I don't know how many times I waited for my father to get home before I would make a request because I knew he was a lot more generous than my mother was about things. But think about it. We often wait to ask of God until... Until we've tried everything else that we know to do, and when we've run out of road, when we've run out of options, when we've run out of places to go, then we go to the Lord and say, Lord, please help me. And I've tried to learn from my father. I don't mean to mention him too much, but I've tried to learn from my father. You know, whenever we would get ready to go on a trip somewhere as a family, before we would get in the car, before we would even pack the car, he would call us all into the room and he said, before we do any of this, let's pray. He was a good man. It's common to pray before even making a trip. And the man came to Jesus. And I hope he was open. I believe he was. If you can. If you can, help us. And the response of Jesus is that which takes us far. For faith, as Jesus identifies it, goes beyond the limits that we may have already placed. He says all things are possible to him who believes. What a broad, what a big statement. What a marvelous statement that is to say all things are possible to him who believes. It may only be a three-letter word all, but it conveys so much. And did he mean all? I think it would be foolish to 
place limits on what God can do. If we go in and we say, well, it surely doesn't mean that he, God wouldn't do this, God wouldn't do that. And sometimes we have it all figured out about God, as I said a moment ago. We have it all figured out of what God would do or wouldn't do, how God should handle it, shouldn't handle it. Go back and read the 38th chapter of Job and following. After Job and his friends have gone through all this discussion for all this time, and finally the Lord jumps into the conversation and he says, where were you? Where were you when I put this together? Where were you when I decided what things would be? Where were you? And do you have the mind to do that? What he's reminding us is that we don't have the concept. We don't have the understanding of all that. Or think. Think for a moment of all the amazing, sometimes unexpected miracles that have been done since the great miracles of creation. Think of all the things that have transpired, all the things in which God has put his hand and made possible that we wouldn't have even imagined. And when you put it into place, and we put God where he ought to be, beyond us, we begin to realize that God knows everything we know, and God knows everything we do not know. still that three-letter word bothers us. For by all, A-L-L, does Jesus mean God will do whatever we imagine for him to do? And again, not to limit God, but I believe Jesus is using a sense of hyperbole, a kind of exaggeration in a way, to identify a point. We use it a lot. We use it a lot. We express love, and, and one person might say to another, I'll love you till the end of time. Or at least until, well, never mind, we won't go into that. But What do we mean? We just mean as much as power is in me, as much as I can. That's what we mean. We understand what we mean. And notice what the man says. If. If you can do anything, if you can do anything, if you can, please. Which brings us back for what we believe and what can be done by God may not be the same. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 25, listen to this. Because the foolishness, you've read this one, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. If you think about where our minds have been and the limitations we've placed on so many things through the ages, and we may still readily do so today, we recognize there was a time when we thought the horizon was the end of the world. Or maybe you've stared up to the sky on a starry night and wondered about the boundaries of the universe, if such exists, and what might be beyond. But friends, what I'm telling you is we see with limits as God sees opportunity to show us more. 
Jesus called on the man to believe in the possibilities. And then when the man relates to us, perhaps as much as at any point in all of this, and one of the great statements that, that we need to hear and we need to recognize within ourselves as we're asking ourselves the question, what is it that I believe? Jesus calls on him to believe. And he says, basically, do you believe? And the man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Call it lingering doubts. He had brought his son to the disciples of Jesus. They had been known to cast out evil spirits before. As I said, go back to Mark 6. Jesus had empowered him in such a way, but they were not able to do it on this occasion. And we'll say, that's not us. But you think about the requests we make, even of God, and even how we discuss them from time to time, and any requests we make, we may pause. We may pause and question. We may cross our fingers. We may rub our fat rabbit's foot literally or figuratively and look for something better than we might have expected. But still, there are the doubts. And this man, he was honest. He wanted to believe. But there was a trail of hurtful disappointment that made it hard for him. Experience was saying, no one's been able to take care of this. Nobody's been able to fix this. Nobody loves this boy more than I do, and I can't fix it. And even as Jesus looks at him, all things are possible to him who believes. In honesty, he says, help in those places where my belief is lacking. And in the first chapter of James' great little epistle, they talk about if any lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he reminds us, he reminds us that that wavering, that little bit of wavering of faith should tell us we can't expect anything. I like to think of those lingering doubts, those doubts as being shadows in a day of sunshine. It's a beautiful day, but there's a shadow over it all. And while we keep that idea of all in mind and removing unbelief and the possibilities that are there, we wonder, is it possible? Is it possible for you and for me? Is it possible for us to get to the point that we step into the unexplored and it's done with no doubt and no reserve. Where did I begin? For our children, for the things that we love dearly. Is it possible for us to get to that point? I don't want us to misinterpret what Jesus is saying. For perhaps he is, it is more a willingness to wholly invest ourselves regardless of what the outcome may be that he is talking about. To him who believes all things are possible. Can we get to the point that there is never a doubt in our mind? I don't know that we ever get to the point that we don't have a single question, a single wonder, a single 
something that makes us want to cross those fingers and so forth and so on. I don't know that we ever fully get to that point. In the 11th chapter of Hebrews in verse 8, it says of Abraham that he went out at the call of God, but he went out not knowing where he was going. But if you read the life and the story of Abraham, there was more than one time he threw out a question to God. It's almost like, Lord, are you really sure about this? And there were others. The same thing. We like to believe that we could throw all caution, all question to the wind and just ultimately just jump into it. We like to recite the words of Ruth and say, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you live, I'll live. Wherever you die, I'll die. Your people, my people, whatever. Your God, my God. We like to stand like the three captives before Nebuchadnezzar. We like to stand before him and say, it doesn't matter whether the Lord saves us from this fiery furnace or not. We will not bow to that image. We'd like to be like Caleb when the other spies, except for Joshua, when the other spies came back saying, we cannot take the land, we'd like to think that we're like Joshua and say, whatever the Lord wants to do, he can do, let's go forward. We'd like to be able to say that fully, but sometimes it's just not as easy as we'd like it to be. But are we willing to step forward? I think that's what Jesus wants from us here. When the man says, help my unbelief, he was just stating his humanity. Lord, I believe in you or I wouldn't be here. And I put my son in your care. Please. We, like Abraham, may go with eyes open, wondering where we'll land, but knowing the one who takes us there. If you can, Lord, will you do something? Take me beyond the limits of my concepts. And Lord, help me to remove any lingering shadow of doubt that may hold me back. I believe, friends, we want an understandable religion and faith. And much is available to apply. But when we get to the fundamental, to the background, to the basics of it, it comes back to the question that we've got to take on ourselves. We can each take that step because we believe in the one who's taking that step with us every step of the way. Yeah, we may fail, we may have some struggles ourselves, and people around us may too. And we may not find the answers exactly where we want to find them. But if we trust in the Lord and make our commitment to Him, He'll show us the way and where it really is. We'll sing a song of encouragement this morning. Let it be a song of invitation and opportunity. If there's someone who needs to respond this morning, we want that opportunity to be yours. If you've never put the Savior on a baptism, the opportunity is here for you this very morning. If you need to know more, let us help you and study with you to grow more. If you need to come for other reasons, you need the prayers of the church or whatever it might be, this song and this opportunity and this invitation and our desire is towards you this very time. If you need to, come while we stand and sing together.